MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. Today we'll cover Trump's lawsuit to block the House Ways and Means Committee from getting his New York state taxes. Tom Barack is under federal investigation. Dan Coats is leaving. Russians call Rand Paul a back channel. Debate night part one and another mass shooting in America. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. We are back from Chicago, and thank you to everyone there. Thank you to the Lincoln Hall staff. Thank you to the patrons and the fans and the whole city. You're amazing. I love Chicago. Yes, thanks to the Bean. Shout out to the Bean. The Bean was great. Did you the guys bean? get to see it? I know we were all doing nah, our own I thing. I didn't see the Bean. No. Yeah, I missed it because I thought we were leaving Monday, so mm-hmm. I scheduled all my Bean visits and whatnot mm-hmm. and my Ferris Bueller's walking tour for Sunday and then found out that our flight was not, in fact, on Monday. So we had to... Hightail it out. Yeah, so. I don't blame you. I had a weird feeling I wouldn't have time if I didn't just do it. It was like a mm. weird little omen. You so, knew. Yeah. Very yeah. prescient. Definitely. Just like you knew about the Mideast Marshall Plan. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because something <laughs> came out today that uh, pretty much echoes exactly what we, you and I were talking about in episode six in December of 2017. Crazy. Yeah, in, in, with our little one microphone in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're you know, mind the sound quality when you check out episode six, The Marshall Plan, uh, which I, I recommend that you do uh, listen to that to bone up right around minute 30 or so is when we start talking about it. Bone up on what we're going to release in the main Muller She Wrote episode this coming Sunday. We're going to go in depth. We'll, ta- we'll touch on a little bit here because uh, Oversight just came out with a report, but... For the real in-depth stuff, um, for the beans, the beans come true segment, we're going to hit that in Muller She Wrote. So stay tuned for that. Um, Before we get to the news, I have some social media homework for you guys. Do you remember uh, when Republican Mark Meadows got pissed that Rashida Tlaib accused him of tokenism for marching out a black Republican staffer during an oversight hearing? Oh, yes. And Meadows got all worked up and said she was being racist. And he got really angry and he said he has black nieces and nephews. And said to Elijah Cummings that he should know better because they're good friends. And Cummings agreed and said that it may come to a shock, uh, come as a shock to some Democrats, but Mark Meadows is one of his best friends. And Mark Meadows has not said one thing to defend his best friend against the racist tweets from Trump about Baltimore being Hmm. a rat and rodent infested place that no human being would want to live in. So tweet at Rep Mark Meadows. It's at the, the his Twitter handle is at Rep Mark Meadows, Mark with a K. And ask him where the defense is now. I just wanted to kind of get that out there, a little social media homework. That's a very good point. And and I doubt Meadows would even do anything to, like, you know, return the favor to Cummings. But that just shows character again. It sure does. Yeah. The favor being that he stepped in and said, basically, like, he is not a racist. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah he came in that. and said, we need to clarify for the record yeah. that, that uh, no one is calling you a racist for, you know, bringing out that you're one black staffer or whatever. Um I still think it was full on tokenism, and I think most people could agree. But uh, Elijah Cummings wanted to clarify it for the record that that's not what it was. Um, yeah, and when people say like things like "I have black nieces and nephews," I understand where they're coming from, but it reminds me of when people say, um, 
God, what was I thinking? Like, Some, I have a black friend. Yeah, but yeah. but something more specific, like, uh, oh, right. as a brother or a husband, I don't think women should be assaulted. It's like, as a human, right? You right. should just not be racist as a human or things like that. So, yeah, I thought it was strange that he went to that real quick. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know my family. It's like, you probably hate your family. Right. How supportive <laughs> were you of, you know, your... Of your nieces and nephews. Let's hear from them. Let's have them on the pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, what did you do to get family members that were black? Did you, like, advocate for, for like, mixed race... <laughs> marriage right. yeah. set him up on a blind date not, not saying that's what you need to do to not be a racist but you probably did jack shit yeah how and happy that's... were you that your brother brought home a woman of color right like, like, fine or like oh this would be her. perfect for my career exactly yeah yeah, yeah. It's or just sister weird. brought home a black i don't know yeah, yeah. Right. i don't know the details but i see your point it's just very strange to to use that as your defense and just very reminds strange. me yeah when people always say like as a husband i don't like this and i'm yeah. like yeah okay that's but... a red flag and so is i have a black friend or i have a black whatever or i have mm-hmm. I, I married a uh a Mexican immigrant, like marrying somebody makes you, but if you're a misogynist, then it's a double whammy. Like, right, right. <laughs> do you know what like I mean? Like you can't do mm-hmm. harm to your spouse. Like that that whole argument is just, yeah. yeah, I don't understand it. And it's also asking for praise basically for the fact that you are friends with someone who happens to be a black man who's at the head of a committee that's honestly a very powerful position also. So it's like, are you saying that... You should be heralded because normally only if this person were white, I would have been their friend. <laughs> and was it Cummings that said it or, or Meadows? That Meadow, said Meadows what? was like, back me up, basically. Oh, he, he egg, the, egged him on a little in bit? In the hearing. No, well, uh, Cummings well, offered his input. That's and, what I thought. Okay, yeah. yeah, but even so, it's still weird. But yeah, I, I thought think he, he was referenced com- Cummings before Cummings said anything. Yes. Yeah, because there's. I don't think Cummings would have said that unwarranted outside of maybe just like let's calm down everyone okay i thought he was well, yeah, because okay, he was yeah, chairing yeah. the committee yeah and there's rules of decorum etc yeah. so that was his interjection there but it was then... still very personal you're right yeah. yeah 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 well i thought meadows though like tossed it back to cummings before cummings said anything let's play that clip guys <laughs> i'd have to i'd have to watch the whole yeah. thing yeah, in I would too. Context. i have that in it my seemed for to some me reason. that that cummings was already uh interjecting uh because um, Talib and Meadows were kind of fighting. Totally. And he was like, stop, stop, that. stop. And then he gave his, Meadows gave his, you know, we're friends. I have black nieces and nephews. You know me. Yes. That's, oh, that's, that's all I mean me. is that you know yeah. me. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. And that's yeah. when um, Cummings was like, yes, actually, and some people will be shocked to hear this. You and I are best friends or we're very mm-hmm. best friends or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, where's the friendship now? Yep. Mm, bye. So tweet at Rep Mark Meadows. Ask him, where's your friendship? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's your defense? Because I'd like to know myself. So meadows of friendship, and and we have to, <laughs> and we have to also think about you know all the attacks, the racist attacks against uh, Cummings and his district uh, this week, coming on the heels of, or no, uh, preemptively, not on the heels of, but right before today when the House Oversight Committee and Elijah Cummings released this report on the Middle East Marshall Plan. So that I think might have something to do with it as well. Interesting. Um, all right, guys, uh, let's get into the news. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, guys, we previously reported that Trump was preemptively suing the House Ways and Means Committee to block them uh, from requesting his tax returns from New York State. Since Governor Cuomo recently signed into law a statute allowing that committee to request and receive state tax returns, uh, Richard Richard Neal of the House Ways and, Ways and Means Committee has already said he would not Um, petition New York to get the state tax returns because uh, he was already suing the IRS and the Treasury for Trump's federal tax returns. And his reasoning for that, even though he doesn't need one under the law, his reasoning is to obtain 
uh, the federal returns to assess the effectiveness of the federal presidential tax audit program. And getting the state tax returns would not benefit him in in that pursuit, basically. Mm -hmm. So he said, I'm not going to ask for the state tax returns. I don't need them. I need the federal ones. I'm going to sue for them, even though if he asked... They would hand him over. And recently, Neil's been facing mounting pressure from committee members to ask for those state tax returns. So Trump filed suit to block that from happening preemptively and said that because it was related to the federal tax return suit, uh, it needs to be heard by the same judge. Mm-hmm. And and some folks believe that by trying to tie those cases together so they'd be heard by the same judge is Trump kind of judge shopping. He's judge shopping because the current judge, Trevor McFadden, Trevor, mm-hmm. uh, who is presiding over the federal tax case, is a Trump appointee. Um, but the plaintiffs argued that the cases are not tied together and McFadden agreed emphatically and quickly. And so randomly assigned a different judge to the case who is Carl Nichols, who by chance also happens to be a Trump appointee. So (laughs) we'll keep you posted. They rolled the dice. They won. We'll keep you posted on the status of both cases. Yeah. They stacked the courts pretty good. So the odds are in their favor. Yep. Highly. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll follow those stories. We, I still don't, I still don't have any, uh, updates on, on the federal, uh, return lawsuit. And I know that <clears throat> Congress is going on their summer break. They're on it, I think, as of this week. So I think yeah, they'll yeah. come back in September or something Getting like their that. beach bot on. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's where we get all these shirtless Obama pics. Right? Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah. So here's this thing I was talking about with the Marshall Plan. Jordan, you've been reporting on Tom Barack, Barrack, for Barack. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The I say Barrack, but I have no idea if Barrick, that's correct. I think it's Barrack. I think it's Barrack. Uh, and you've been reporting on that for Mueller, she wrote, and you drafted him this week again for your fantasy indictment team. Uh, what's the latest? Yes, I did. I have been drafting him probably for the last like three months at <laughs> least because of his ties to um, what I would presume would be funneling illegally uh, money from outside entities through the Trump inaugural fund into the Trump campaign. But we're learning right now that people are actually investigating him. Uh, federal prosecutors are investigating him. And and his, I mean, it's it's a similar charge, right? It's essentially acting as an unregistered foreign agent, just specifically on behalf of the UAE and the Middle East, uh, or sorry, the UAE and Saudi Arabia. That was a weird mistake. Um, and <laughs> in what was what they're looking at as a focal point is a an energy speech, essentially that Trump was making back in 2016. So they're they're they have. It seems like there's there's evidence to believe, right, that. Uh, these these folks were helping draft the language of a speech that uh, went through Rashid al-Malik, who's an Emirati businessman who is very close to the rulers of the UAE. And it looks like Barrick is essentially facilitating these talks to uh, influence Trump's campaign before he got elected and while he got elected and during the transition. So there's going to be a lot deeper of a hot note on that this weekend because this is sort of just breaking right now but the good news is it looks like hopefully there's an indictment around the corner what's interesting though is it's u.s attorneys in brooklyn new york that's looking into this right now and new york times reporting that came out today has said that Barrick has essentially volunteered himself to be interviewed about all of this that's going on and they've essentially been like we don't really need more from you at this time which has got to be a <laughs> shitty place for him to be in right. he's like oh god i just want he wants control over he wants what to they're help, looking right yeah 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 but like yeah cooperate you know etc yeah let me help you help me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally and, yeah uh, in episode 84 seven weeks ago we had reported that prosecutors also questioned rashid al-malik 
uh, an Emirati real estate developer close to MBZ and the head of Emirati Intelligence. Mr. Al-Malik is also close to Mr. Trump's friend Tom Barrick, and investigators are asking whether Al-Malik was part of an illegal influence scheme, according to two people familiar with the matter. And I put here in the script, we know that Al-Malik had pre-election contact with Barack and probably Manafort, since it was Barack who recommended Manafort to Trump in a letter that we've all read. And today we got that confirmation that they had many discussions between Manafort, Al-Malik, Gates, and Barack. Yes. Nice. And yeah, and so it, it looks... It's interesting because based on this New York Times reporting, it looks like they're saying the attempts to influence that speech and that policy, you know, there's not evidence currently that is super consequential that makes it look like that effort was successful. That's the language of the New York Times Oh, that the effort was successful. That the effort was unsuccessful. Or either or. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely evidence that they tried because now they have emails between Manafort, Malik, and Barack uh, and Gates about uh, sending, and and Al-Malik sent it to MBZ to give his input on the part of the speech and to give it back. But yeah, you're right. They're saying it was unsuccessful because Trump actually really didn't talk about it in his Mayflower speech. Exactly. So I think that's an important distinction to make. I don't know if, uh, because I got excited when I first saw this and I was thinking that it was going to be one of those things where we see all these dots, you know, connecting. And and, yeah, Yeah. from start to finish, there's a bunch of criminality established, but it could look like it's one of those things where sort of how Trump is now being investigated further by House committees uh, as to his efforts to obstruct justice, not necessarily his success at obstructing at obstructing justice mm-hmm. because of those people around him. But. but if you think about it, too, maybe it, that stuff didn't fully end up in the speech. It was there still. But if you consider everybody who was at that Mayflower meeting and that since then Trump has seven times secretly done an end run around Congress uh, to avoid having to comply with the one, two, three agreements, which are all the nuclear agreements that we have in place internationally to help curb uh, proliferation. Uh, and also the end run around Congress, because Congress is really the only one who can grant the ability for us to give those nuclear secrets or that nuclear technology mm-hmm. to a foreign entity. And so they have been successful in that. Now, they haven't built the reactors, but I think I think this is kind of like obstruction of justice, where you don't have to actually commit the crime. There doesn't have to be an underlying crime in order to ob- obstruct it. I don't think that you have to be successful at lobbying in order to be in trouble for lobbying for a foreign country without registering. Yeah. Even just attempting to do it, I think, is breaking the law without alerting the attorney general, which is what registration under FARA is. And as we know, there's a new FARA unit at the Department of Justice uh, run by Brendan Van Grack, who is one of Mueller's team. And Mueller handed off, I bet one of those 12 redacted handoff cases in Appendix D of the Mueller report is this... Uh, Tom Barack mm-hmm. Marshall Plan, Middle East Marshall Plan investigation. And I think he might have handed that off to Van Grack at the FARA unit. And it might have been one of the things that helped create that unit, along with the Bijan Kian and Flynn um, lobbying for Turkey mm-hmm. uh, illegally without registering. And of course, the Manafort and Gates and Vanderswan failing also to lobby as foreign agents. That's so cool. It's like Trump is creating jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Kushner blocked Barrick's desire to have a high-up job in Trump's administration, which mm. is interesting, right? Because yeah. Kushner has established himself as a Middle East guy. Oh, so that's got to be why. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, which is interesting to think that there's rifts 
inviting. Even, even, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah even they make between, fun of Democrats. <laughs> yeah, but but Barrick is is for decades been advocating for certain policies, uh, not necessarily on behalf of, and that's going to be his main argument in court. I think right is as New York Times was reporting this. As well, his representatives are saying this wasn't on behalf. You can't charge him for a FARA violation because he was not acting on behalf of any country. These are just ideas that he has been saying organically from his own mouth and brain in the in a vacuum, essentially, for decades. So Yeah, but you email that speech to MBZ through Al Malik to yes. get their input. And it's spelled out, too. This isn't one of those, oh, you know, maybe he wasn't corrupt. He didn't have corrupt intent or he wasn't willfully or knowingly doing this. He was like, we need to make sure that Trump puts this in his speech and also uh, in the Republican National Committee platform Mm -hmm. on Saudi Arabian nuclear technology. And this and we're going to get into this on Sunday. This involves Jeff Sessions, who was going to be promised a reactor built in his state from the same company through the same deal. Um, And we know Eric Prince was involved in this. uh, And he also was brought in with MBZ and George Nader in the Seychelles meeting and then met again with Zammel from Psy Group in August 3rd. So this is all part of that grand Mm -hmm. bargain that is what Seth Abramson calls it. IP3 is involved, Copson and Flynn. As we know, Flynn was texting Copson from the dais of the inauguration saying sanctions are going to get torn up. We can go forward with a Marshall Plan where Copson was saying, yep, we just build these reactors in Saudi Arabia. We put them, we put bases around them and troops around them and we can recolonize the Middle East. Those were his words. Um, KT McFarland is involved in this. She was the DEPSEC for... Uh, Michael Flynn and also her mentor, Bud McFarlane, who was the one who wanted to do this, uh, build the Saudi Arabia nuclear reactors, involve Russia because they have the oil and gas through the Rosneft sale. Probably. I don't know. That's just conjecture. Um, But this was all our conjecture two years ago. And it's all turning out to be right. I could be wrong on that. Um, And then also Katie McFarlane was offered the ambassadorship to Singapore. And there were only four ambassadors at that Mayflower meeting. And one of them was Singapore. Uh, Italy was another one, and I can't remember the other two, but they were important part of this deal. Yeah, of, the of overlap is, is pretty interesting. And I feel like this has been like a plan for the Republican Party since like the Bush administration, even probably before that. You know, yeah, because Bud McFarland seems like one of the, the tip of the spear on this. Totally, and yeah, got yeah. KT McFarland the job, and then Barack got Manafort the job uh, in the Trump campaign, and they're, thereby Gates. And here comes everybody. And then Flynn is the security advisor. It leaves under mysterious circumstances. We still don't think that he was fired uh, because Trump said, yeah, I'll, I'll say that we fired him. That sounds better than <laughs> whatever really happened, which we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was reported in the book Fear. So there's all these different um, dots are being connected. All of this would be this just this um, FARA violation is one small part of what could be possibly a giant larger counterintelligence investigation that's part of the Mueller investigation. Right. And and I think the crux that the New York Times is reporting on currently is that 2016 speech. But like we're talking about right now, there's so many more things to investigate that I'm sure they're already in the process of investigating. So I think this is going to be one of those things that it's it's starting out with with this. And there's a entire web of instances that potentially could amount to at the very least fair violations and, and at the most world domination. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And at the most, we might never find out because counterintelligence stuff is usually way super classified and top yeah. secret and they just might disappear. And we'll go, I wonder whatever happened to that dude. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Bye bye. Vote, guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Vote. That's very important because then we can get Barr out of there and then these prosecutions can go forward. Mm-hmm. 
Um, cool. Well, thanks for that update. And uh, we'll have you go over that in, in a lot more detail, including this new report that's come out from the House Oversight Committee um, via Elijah Cummings on the Mid- Middle East Marshall Plan, which mm-hmm. we've been on since the beginning. So check uh-huh. out episode six, the Marshall Plan, Mind the Sound Quality. <laughs> um and enjoy us probably pronouncing it Mueller and talking from a microphone in our kitchen. You no, know, it's nostalgic. <laughs> I think it's so cute looking back. Yeah, it is. And it starts around minute 32 with uh, your in, in introduction to who KT McFarland is and nice. how Bud McFarland is, is in there. And, and they aren't related. It's McFarland and Bud McFarlane. There you go. Yeah. So two different people. I confuse but, them sometimes. Yeah. One was uh, the protege of the other. So this week also a Russian media outlet reported that the head of the Council of Foreign Affairs Committee on International Affairs, Konstantin Kosachev, has signaled to Donald Trump they hope to use Rand Paul to establish a dialogue. Oh, he God. said, quote, Mr. Paul has outs for the top U.S. leadership, is close to Donald Trump, and we expect that we will be able to convey our signals through him. Aliens much? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, that's such a weird way to word that. <laughs> So, yeah, and as we know, Rand Paul was one of the seven senators uh, and one representative that spent the 4th of July last year in Russia, two weeks ahead of that meeting with Putin and Trump. And uh, there's a love letter, remember? Yeah, I think it's cute. It's like the seven dwarfs, you know, when Rand Paul is like Snow White. Uh-huh. Yeah, cute little love letter. It's like a, you know, little cute Disney rom-com. Yeah, basically, he went, Rand Paul went to Trump and said, hey, I'm going to Russia again in August, a couple weeks after, like a month after they went to the July 4th thing. And and said, hey, I'm going to Russia. Can you write me a note to give to Putin? Because I really want to meet him. <laughs> and so Trump wrote him a note about, you know, how we can have better relations or whatever. And, and Rand Paul shows up in Russia. But I guess Putin wasn't there. I think he was gone or something. So he, he never got to meet his <laughs> He went out the back dream when man. he found out they were there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Rand Paul, Russian. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> Rand Paul colon Russian. <laughs> I thought it was like an equal sign, but like colon works too. Yeah, yeah. Russia Rand. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting uh, news story. And now time for our new segment. I don't know if I'll ever repeat it again. Do you think they broke the law? It's time to play sketch or nah. Yeah, so cute. You need like a little ding on the end there or something. Ding. Yeah. Uh, this week in Sketch or Nah, the director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, who many considered the last adult in the room of this administration. <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> is, uh, is leaving. And Trump has nominated Congressman Ratcliffe as his replacement. Uh, during the Mueller testimony, Ratcliffe was a total dick, occupying the same mental space as Bill Barr in his belief that presidents can't obstruct justice because they're above the law and the president is the law as the head of the executive branch. And we know that last week, Trump consulted with Devin Nunes on who he should nominate as the new director of intelligence. God damn it. So this job was created, the director of national intelligence was created after 9-11 to ensure that the heads of intelligence agencies were communicating effectively. They felt that there was a breakdown in communication between like FBI, CIA, NSA that could have otherwise prevented the 9-11 attacks or at least Mm -hmm. warned uh, some folks about them because they weren't really communicating about Mm -hmm. it. But now we have a Bill Barr clone and Nunez, uh, a Nunez sycophant, being nominated to hold this incredibly important position. And Ratcliffe is the only Republican who sits on both the House and Judiciary, or sorry, the House Judiciary and the House Intelligence Committees. So he has all the information, the unredacted Mueller report, and and all the information that the Intelligence Committee would have, which would presumably include a counterintelligence investigation unless the FBI is withholding those briefings because they know that Nunez and... Uh, folks like Mm -hmm. Radcliffe would leak it back to Donald Trump. 
we we've noted we've noted in the past that they won't <clears throat> like remember when the Trump administration was coming in and the FBI was like do we tell him about the Russia stuff because he's at the heart of it and so they withheld a lot of information even to the new incoming president in order to preserve national security so they they may be not telling the House Intelligence Committee about you know the counterintelligence investigation because Nunes is on it and people like Ratcliffe and we kind of know that to be true, sort of, because Adam Schiff is like, we, I haven't seen anything either. But, like, who do you tell? You can't just be the FBI, CIA, NSA, and DNI and say, I'm only going to tell the Democrats, because then you're politicizing your mm-hmm. organization and your agency. So who do you tell? And that's what uh, James Baker has said on Matto. Like, yeah, I wish I had an answer. That's what McCabe told me. Like, we're in a, a unique situation where we, you know the people that we would otherwise brief are moles to the president who is the target of this investigation. And so he didn't, McCabe didn't say those words to me, but they <laughs> they were both like, that's just my uh, read of it. Right, uh, right. Not, not McCabe, my read of the situation. Uh, but McCabe and Baker are both like, we're in an unprecedented, situa- unprecedented situation where this is normally what we would do. Yeah. We didn't get this far with Nixon, right? And the parties were different as far as the power like, yeah, and he wasn't yeah. really doing it part of a counterintelligence investigation because Nixon stole it was Nixon stole from the Democrats. He kept his uh, <laughs> he kept his indictments all American. Yeah, <laughs> so Ratcliffe would have to give up his seat then. Yeah, I don't think he could be congressman anymore. Right, and then they'd have to have a special election in his district. I think for I think for reps you do have a special election. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. So Way we, to we abandon might... your people to be a piece of shit. <laughs> God well, damn it. Well, he does have to make it through the Senate, which I think he will. It's mostly Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you only need to, f- because of because Mitch went nuclear, I think you only need 51 votes. I think he'll get them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but what do you think? Sketch or not? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely 100% sketch. Anyway, you slice it. Mm-hmm. He, he's, uh, he's an enemy of all of the causes that we're investigating and, and hoping for so for sure yeah and and this isn't to say like yeah okay he's on the committee and he has all the information he could give it to trump that's not to say trump already hasn't gotten it from right him or nunez totally but now he's going to be director of national intelligence in yeah. charge of these three agencies who are continuing an, an ongoing counterintelligence investigation into whether or not trump and some republicans are assets of a foreign government or foreign governments and he's going to be the one in charge of making sure the communication runs smoothly between these between, I feel like yeah, if I were the FBI, NSA, and CIA, I'd be making my own little separate secret <laughs> communications tunnels underneath. Ooh, maybe they the are buildings like to an each underground other. resistance of intelligence off. Yeah, the alt gov stuff. They might be on it. I I, I would like to think Hopefully, so. Yeah. And, and at the very least, I would hope that they wouldn't brief moles like this mm-hmm. on the counterintelligence information. But then again, you get back to the question of who do you brief, and it's like I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's even a concern to me that he's sitting on committees and might take that information to Trump. I guarantee Nunes has already told him everything. So yeah, yeah. um, Every day he probably reports like, that's all I know, sir. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's even the issue. The issue is that he's a sympathizer. He's a sympathizer with Trump, and like he said, that extraordinarily overreaching amount of executive power mm-hmm. that they interpret, you know, in the Constitution. So, yeah, and I don't think we could trust him to keep those lines of communication, even even to be told about some of these investigatory situations as the head of DNI from people in the FBI and the CIA and the right. NSA. I'm struggling. Like, we can't tell him. We have they have to sit around and go. We can't tell him. Yeah. I just can't believe that there's not a level of requirements for these positions. Like you have say. to have this amount of years but that's what in Trump the wants. CIA or the FBI or like Dude. at least one of the agencies that you're overlooking. Yeah, he has and no intelligence um, 
No intelligence. Right. It's like our edu- it's but like no, our education no secretary. It's like our head of the EPA. It's like experience. it's like all of these offices that are occupied increasingly by people that have no actual experience. And He's in fact are anti. In- right. That right. Stuff. Yeah. Like the labor guy is anti labor and the EPA guy is anti environment. And, you know, so it's, it seems to be his only requirement the is that there is education, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. And we've always just had these as norms. Like this is just normally what happens. Because yeah, you wouldn't be such Who a crazy person that? that you would put someone in that position that has no experience in it. Yeah. That's absurd. But guess what? Absurdity is here. Yes. <laughs> it so, is here and now. So I think the consensus is sketch. Yeah, we well, yeah, yeah full definitely. Yeah. Any, I can't think of sketch or not. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any way in which it would not be sketch. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> sketch, it is. All right. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next story, and this one's um, a sad one. Jalisa, we have another mass shooting in America. What do yeah, we, what do we know? Uh, today we learned four people were killed in a shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival in Northern California, including a six-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and a man in his 20s. Twelve people were injured. One of the shooters, who is a 19-year-old man, was also killed at the scene. And a second shooter seems to be still at large, I guess. The police recently released his information to help people identify him. And um, apparently the shooter that's now dead bought an AK-47 style rifle legally in Nevada a few weeks ago. And what drives me crazy is that Republicans are so quick to ban things like birth control and abortion and, you know, weed and gay marriage. But when it comes to guns, they're like, oh, yeah, bans won't work. Yeah, exactly. But here we are. It's it's an odd cognitive dissonance, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Bans don't work. I didn't see the reporting that they confirmed there was a second shooter. Yeah, they said that <clears throat> he's still out there. I guess they're looking for him, but they were afraid to release the information because they didn't want to give him like attention at the same time, but they need to find him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But they already released the name of the guy that was killed. That died, yeah. But there yeah. were two people that were seen shooting. Yeah. Apparently a yeah. white supremacist. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't hear that yet. Um, uh, yeah, that it, during, on, on one of his social media um, accounts, he had shared a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but I, it's a yeah. super racist, anti-Semitic book. It's a social Darwinism book. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I don't think it was specifically like social a white Darwinism supremacy book. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. Ethnic cleansing, perhaps? Yeah, he apparently, po- well, he posted that caption in conjunction with a Smokey the Bear image. That's weird. And then posted this book in reference to social Darwinism. So, yeah, I wonder- honestly, it's pretty cryptic, I think. Mm-hmm. O- obviously, it's something very aggressive and- extremist not very to some level but i don't think it was specifically like a white supremacy book but that book definitely has extreme tones of misogyny and and racism Mm -hmm. in it okay so not necessarily white power white nationalism white supremacy but definitely racist and misogynist right yeah yeah social darwinism as a concept right is like only the strongest survive and that's a completely in a vacuum totally yeah not acknowledging the reasons why some people may be quote-unquote weaker in Mm -hmm. a society if we can't get them out we'll breed them out yeah right okay yeah so um but i but yeah because i was looking to see too if there was anything that was like explicitly linked to white supremacy but i guess we'll have to give it a few more days but definitely a hate guy oh yeah oh a hate guy all the way and then i read an article recently that um domestic terrorism in the last couple of years has been mostly from white supremacists i think all all i i heard a really high percentage but Yeah. yeah might as well be all at this point it's just that's how high it is 
And um, yeah, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if this guy was a part of that. But it's just in general, it's a crazy time now that we have like pretty much a segment for mass shootings. Like it happens so often now Mm -hmm. for any reason would be awful. But seeing this pattern of nationalism or whatever, it's really scary. Well, we'll hold our assumptions and wait until we get more information. Good point. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I also read something that said one of the artists that was on stage when the shooting happened right by their stage um, they said that they could hear from the stage someone ask, why are you doing this? And the artist said that they heard a response that said, because I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard Which that is too. like chilling. So I mean, it's all AK-47 chilling. AK-47 camouflage. AK-47 yeah. style rifle. I don't know if it was full, fully automatic or not. We'll, we'll get more information. As yeah. As yeah. The, the police were out. outgunned for sure. Yeah. Ugh, that's terrible. Um, Yes, and our you know our hearts out to mm-hmm. everyone in that community and everyone in the country. We all, you know, we all uh, are affected by by these uh, as they continue to happen. And there's, you know, keeping Republicans in power who are bought and paid for by the NRA is never going to stop this. Do you think Republicans would change their minds about this issue if like the birth control industry gave them money do you think it's really like just about money to them what at this point no because the they don't have the backing of religion which that's is one another of the most point, yeah. powerful like indirect lobbies basically yeah. like the the money that is wrapped up in the religious reasons that they can use to propagate pro-life things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't have that same basis that you would with pro-choice i think yeah like, and you lose the wedge issue of standing up for fetuses who have no voice because of god yeah and yeah and it, it, it's you know if like let's say all of a sudden republicans came and stood up uh, for muslim americans muslim americans would be like get the fuck out True. i have a voice and i'm not allowing you to use me as a pawn for your political gains but yeah fetuses do not have a voice that is why I think that they I think they use um, wow. pro uh, pro choice yeah and anti anti choice as a right as a wedge issue is because it's an intangible basis like, uh, of your argument yeah they, like, they, they can't speak for themselves so you yeah. can say whatever you want for them so like here's a great example there's a guy named Pat Tillman he was an Arizona Cardinal he was a football player he quit his million dollar bazillion dollar contract to go and fight in the war mm-hmm. in Iraq and he was killed and McCain spoke at his funeral but the family was upset because McCain kept invoking God and Pat Tillman was an atheist so they had to ask McCain to kindly stop talking about God because Pat Tillman didn't believe in God and and also he didn't want to politicize they the family didn't want to politicize Pat Tillman's death uh, as being like pro-war and yeah oorah. Uh and so that is again using somebody who can't speak for themselves to buy to earn political points or to drive a wedge in something in things that are social uh, constructs like religion um, abortion LGBTQ Black Lives Matter uh, NRA, mm-hmm. gun, like all these, mm-hmm. um, you know, social, socially conscious movements, totally movements. And sure, maybe a fetus, if it, you know, were able to speak for itself, it would say, "I want to live." I get that argument. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense, right? But just then, like you said, as you using that, like when they use like tokenism and things like that, it does seem like it's for the wrong reasons, despite the fact that. You know, yeah, I don't mean I that, get, that. No, I know that, you don't that, mean that. that. Were, yeah, yeah. That were they to speak, you know, they'd be like, yeah, um, goodbye, cruel world, kill me now. Yeah, no, I don't think they'd be it, the, they'd depressed <laughs> yet. <laughs> I can't take it. I mean, <laughs> some people they say that they felt that way from day one, but yeah, you know, you, you never get the chance, and I understand that argument, but I also believe I'm, I'm pro-choice, so yeah, I I totally see where you're coming from in terms of people abusing that, I guess, uh, voiceless victim. Yeah. yeah. Or just a voiceless person at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously. To keep, or a non-person. Right. It's like this conversation is one of the most 
contended ones in the history of humanity because at some point agency switches over from the person bearing the child to to the child and then mm-hmm. that's like, going to be that point yeah right yeah. and that's going to be argued over forever and yeah, but they ignore the voices of the mother who has who have they voices. absolutely ignore mm-hmm. yes and that's the yeah. biggest issue too it's like you want you want to assign this agency to a fetus that maybe if they were sentient enough to understand their existence and their own mortality and they the complications live, of yeah. all of these things they would be like no i think i would rather live but it's like <laughs> that is so far from ever happening whereas you have the mother who was very present, mm-hmm. very, very much, sentient. yes, yeah. very sentient. Understands what it means to be alive in this world. And yes. a mother in and this world. And to be pregnant. <laughs> yes. And we're not listening to her. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we have a social media call to action. It's time for hashtag. Hashtag. All right, guys, this week kicks off the summer recess for Congress, and we are asking you to call your representatives to tell them that you support impeachment. Uh, if you do, if, you know, I'm not saying if, you know, to change your mind right now and then do it. Uh, but uh, we're at a tipping point here. Um, more people are becoming for um, impeachment as time goes on, especially since the Mueller testimony, which um, the vice chair and the chair of those two committees consider a watershed moment uh, for this. And I'd like to ask you to call a phone number and then post a phone number on social media with a, has- with a hashtag call for impeachment. That number is 202-224-3121. Tell the operator, you'll get a lady... Uh, tell her your zip code and ask to be transferred to your representative. And then uh, tell your representative that you support impeachment and do this as many times as you can per day. You can have Siri do it for you. And then, again, please post that phone number, 202-224-3121, on social media. Tag us at Daily Beans Pod. Share the phone number and tell everyone to do the same thing using hashtag call for impeachment. That's awesome. we got to make a song for that number. Like Mike Jones, he put his number in a song, and everyone knows it. Yeah. Oh. Shout out to 2003. Like what was 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS? Yeah, what's his number? 281-360-8004. 877-CASH-NOW. Oh, yeah, that one, too. I know that. Yeah, yeah. It's just smart. You know, get a little jingle going, and they might actually have some traction there. All right. They might be giants. You have an assignment as well. <laughs> Write a song for 202-224-3121. And... I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. <laughs> but it'd be <laughs> cool. go-to for like every best piece of music that ever right, comes right. out that's less than one minute Follow-up hashtag. Uh, spam, they must be giants. <laughs> or they might be giants, yeah. Uh, and finally, <laughs> you guys, uh, the debates start tonight. Night one is tonight. It's Tuesday night, as you know, unless you're time traveling or a patron. Uh, Tuesday is notoriously a big news day, so subjects could change as the days go on or as the day goes on. But tonight we will hear from candidates. Uh, Marianne Williamson, Tim. This is from left to right on the stage. Okay, and not politically speaking, they're all left. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, some guy named Steve Bullock is on the far right. Um, oh, but he's still left leaning. <laughs> Marianne Williamson, Tim Ryan, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, and Steve Bullock. Hmm. Hickenlooper, I like that. Hickenlooper's a great name, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like some far like fantasy sci-fi. <laughs> it is. Like some... job. Like, what do you do in the future? I'm, I'm a hickalooper. Yeah. <laughs> Just some bandit that wears right. cargo pants all the time. I loop hicks. I'm hickalooper. Um, they, they, <laughs> there are some new names in there. Yeah. yeah. Steve Bullock. Yeah. 
Interesting. How does that happen? Any relation? How to does US? anybody Andrew? watch the last they debates entered, and be like, "We need more"? They <laughs> entered the race and they met. They met the requirements, which were the same requirements for the first debates. Yeah. yeah. To get on stage. So technically, someone at the last minute can come in the day of the election and be like, "I made the requirements." No, they cut it off at some point, right? There's some people who didn't get in. I know Tom Steyer didn't get in, and I know Tim Ryan didn't get in. Oh and, no. Uh, we didn't want him to. Anyway, <laughs> it's fine. Tim Ryan was in the last one, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom so, Steyer's been doing all the TV ads. He one came in the after the. Last People one. with TV ads right now outside <laughs> yeah, so of which the major. Just, that goes to show that money doesn't always buy you uh, yeah, debate time. That's so. very true. That's true. And also the impeachment issue is not the single issue people are no. uh, interested in, obviously, because that's what Tom Steyer's made himself synonymous with. But it is <laughs> grassroots money that, that is going mm-hmm. to get you on the stage. And they did that specifically, you know, because you have to have from a certain amount of states, you have to have 65,000 donations that you have to be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I so love that. I do, too. And so it's really about the grassroots. And, and <clears throat> what's great is if you've given to any of these candidates, which I've given to a few, mm-hmm. um, once for you know a smaller amount you can continue to give to them up to twenty six hundred dollars because that's the cap for personal contributions to campaigns very cool per per person i believe Mm. um so tonight is going to be the showdown right in center stage sanders and warren um the debate begins at eight eastern live from the fox theater in detroit michigan interesting theater name choice um (laughs) but um yeah i think it's going to be all i think it's going to end up being mostly about bernie and warren it's going to be mostly about Healthcare and uh, Kamala's not on this stage, and she's got her new healthcare plan out, which is sort of a combination of pure ass Medicare, Medicare for all, and the ACA. So this is the spectrum on which the Democrats are operating in healthcare: full socialized medicine, all the way to you know shore up the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Biden's on the ACA edge, and. Everybody else is somewhere in the middle, and I think Sanders and Warren are both on the very left. And I think Kamala Harris wants to get to the left part, the, you know, to the the full-on Medicare, getting rid of private insurance, but it, over a 10-year period. So it's kind of a transition. That's kind of her pattern, too, just like with that Pell Grant um, policy she suggested. It. She, said, she said you have to have a business and a distant with a disenfranchised neighborhood for three years just mm-hmm. to get your Pell Grant loans reversed. And people were like, that's hard to do. But she seems to be someone who believes in like long-term plans. She does and, like, look investing. long-term. Yeah, yeah. The problem with a 10-year plan is that even if she gets elected twice, that's only eight years. Yeah, it's going to so, surpass her And you're not going to get it first in the, it done in the first yeah. 100 days unless we flip the Senate. We might need another round of elections yeah. to get more Dems in the Senate, but, yeah. which is what I believe will happen as time goes on. But mm-hmm. A 10-year plan, then, you know, generally after Democrats serve two terms, another Republican comes in, and then they just reverse everything right, before exactly. it fully takes effect. Exactly. Or with Obamacare, we got it in effect and going before Obama left office, and that's why its popularity doubled and then tripled. That's why Republicans hated it. They're yeah. like, this is They're too like, soon. God Change. damn yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I didn't want him to like it. Yeah, yeah they tried to knock it down so many times. That's why I like Warren. I think she'd be great for getting things done quickly. She's got plans, man. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we'll just look out for that. Look out for the, the Sanders Warren fireworks because we know <laughs> I know uh, I've, I've watched them both debate quite a bit. Um, I think Sanders is uh, curt and terse and <laughs> very, very emphatic about the wealth gap. Yeah. And uh, I think they both want the same kind of health care. So you're probably not going to see any kind of. Uh, sort of back and forth on that with them, but perhaps other things. I think that the, the shooting that just happened is going to come up, including just shootings in general mm-hmm. and gun control, because Bernie wasn't very good on gun control because he was a senator from Vermont where they all have guns and they like their guns, and he represented them, and so he couldn't he he didn't get very good grades uh, for a Democrat 
he wasn't a Democrat, he's an independent, mm-hmm. on his, from the NRA. Mm-hmm. Um, or he got better he got grades. Good, yeah, um, which means not good NRA. grades from yeah. Democrats. Yeah. For us, yeah. A Warren Sanders ticket would be cool too, though. So she could uh, attack him on guns. She mm-hmm. could, uh, and let's see what else um, is going to be in there. Now, I know healthcare will be a big debate. Uh, of course, I Russia, I think, um, probably won't come up as much with this group because the ones who really brought it up the last time were in the other group or aren't on stage anymore, aren't, aren't in here like de Blasio. Right, but China came up a lot. China did come up a lot. I think that's going to be an issue. Um, tariffs, I think they'll talk about the tax plan a lot because yeah. <clears throat> this tax bill... You know, I, th- I think we were trillion dollar deficit and, you know, it's it's on the backs of the middle class for the benefit of the wealthy. And I think this is where uh, Warren can really shine with her wealth tax, like two cents on the dollar above 50 million dollars. And we'll be able to pay for so many incredible programs, including healthcare mm-hmm. and college. Uh, they might differ a little bit on free tuition versus tuition um, reduction or you know, yeah but all very plans. progressive ideas is this the drinking game by the way all these things you've listed i feel like they're good oh like, sure yeah yeah might as well it's gonna be later in the evening we can rewind write them down yeah i'm watching at a bar so i might actually play really <laughs> yeah Which yeah bar? i don't know but it's on my facebook calendar <laughs> so, i think I, yeah. i'm willing to bet elizabeth warren will be asked about bernie sanders and his speech on socialism and what and and maybe give her a chance to back away from the word socialism and I to see if you know because a lot of their policies are identical mm-hmm. and would you consider yourself a socialist? I bet they're going to ask Warren that right. But over the course of their career, though, Warren definitely has been more to the right than Bernie has. Bernie's consistently been an independent person, outwardly democratic socialist person his mm-hmm. entire tenure, basically in office. Whereas Warren started more to the right than she is now. I made a mistake. Tim Ryan is on the stage. Oh, okay. Mm. Sorry, okay. Tim. But also, <laughs> as far as socialism goes, we're pretty much in a socialist society. It's just for rich people, right? So I feel like there are so many things that are going towards helping Well, our socialist stuff is good stuff, but it's yeah. costing the government money and the rich people aren't paying their fair share of taxes to cover the costs. Yeah, yeah. That tax cut thing, that wouldn't be considered socialism for, <laughs> for rich people. That's... No, well, it is a corporate hand. Yeah, it is socialism for rich people. The so bailout are, of the banks. Yeah, it's the like of the banks. They're tax, so hypocritical. Wealth, they call corporate wealth. Yeah, they they have safety nets for being yes. rich. Hence, democratic socialism. Exactly, and I'm all for it. Ding ding. They're trying to make that word seem so bad. It's the blue scare, right? And, Not and, the red scare now. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we were talking about this uh, during the 2016 election. In the in the run up to that, when people are like. I was like, I don't understand why Republicans hate socialism so much. They've been re- they've been stealing money from the middle class and redistributing it to themselves for decades. Yeah, that's <laughs> so their whole thing. That is corporate welfare. That is, you're right, uh, socialism for the wealthy. That's Republican socialism. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, that is our show. Do you guys have any final thoughts? No. Oh, I thought of a quote. Well, I didn't think of it. I read it. Uh, it was, never take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. That that was really cool. But also listen to people. <laughs> I mean, like, it goes both ways. You know, don't be a dick. But also, if someone's a dick, don't listen to them. Yeah, I have the old thing where if, <laughs> if I'm getting down on myself and saying bad things about myself, like, in front of the mirror, or like, oh, I don't like my th- tummy today or my thighs, I need to shave or whatever. I'm getting saying negative physical things about me. I immediately switch it into Trump's voice. And then I get <laughs> then I defend myself. I'm like, nice. I'm like, nuh-uh, you shut up. I'm awesome. And it, right. it always works. Yeah, yeah, borderline schizophrenia. But I think that's cool. Cool. <laughs> no, no, because they're not intrusive, unwanted thoughts. That's true. I have to make them happen <laughs> that's, myself. That's the difference. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah, so if you're thinking if you're thinking anything negative about yourself, put it in Trump's voice and you'll immediately stand up for your awesomeness. I bet Alec Baldwin has that trouble of turning it off. Right? He, I feel like he is the voice in a lot of people's heads. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Good point. All right, guys, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Enjoy the debates. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And I've been A.G. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>